0: Good evening, and welcome to the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep with Josh. I am comedian Josh Yang, and every episode I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep literature like the dictionary laws various manuals the different terms of services that everyone agrees to but never really reads and other random boring ideas Tonight, let's continue learning all about soap and soap making from a soap making manual published in 1922. If you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast platform of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh because at the end of the day the more people that sleep with Josh the better feel free to also follow me on social media at Josh Yang comedy now sit back relax and close your eyes because you'll get tired of this podcast. Guaranteed Soap Making Manual. A Practical Handbook on the Raw Materials, Their Manipulation, Analysis, and Control in the Modern Soap Plant, by E.G. Thompson, Ph.D. Continuing from where we left off, in part two we will begin talking about naphthenic acids the naphtha or crude petroleum of the various provinces in europe as russia galicia alsace and romania yield a series of bodies of acid character upon refining which are designated under the general name of naphthenic acids. These acids are retained in solution in the alkaline lye during the distillation of the naphtha in the form of alkaline naphthenates. Upon adding dilute sulfuric acid to these lyes, the naphthenates are decomposed, and the naphthenic naphthenic acids float to the surface in an oily layer of characteristic disagreeable odor, and varying from yellow to brown in color. In Russia, particularly, large quantities of these acids are employed in the manufacture of soap. The soaps formed from naphthenic acids, have recently been investigated and found to resemble the soaps made from coconut oil and palm kernel oil, in that they are difficult to salt out and dissociate very slightly with water. The latter property makes them valuable in textile industries, when a mild soap is required as a detergent example in the silk industry. These soaps also possess a high solvent power for mineral oils and emulsify very readily. The mean molecule weight of naphthenic acids themselves is very near that of the fatty acids contained in coconut oil. And like those of coconut oil, a portion of the separated acids are volatile with steam. The iodine number indicates a small content of unsaturated acids. That naphthenic acids are a valuable soap material is now recognized. But except in Russia the soap is not manufactured to any extent at the present time. Alkalis The common alkali metals which enter into the formation of soap are sodium and potassium. The hydroxides of these metals are usually used except in the so-called carbonate saponification of free fatty acids, in which case sodium and potassium carbonate are used. A water solution of the caustic alkalis is known as lye and it is as lyes of various strength that they are added to oils and fats to form soap. The density or weight of a lye is considerably greater than that of water depending upon the amount of alkali dissolved and its weight is usually determined by a hydrometer. This instrument is graduated by a standardized scale. And while all hydrometers should read alike in a liquid of known specific gravity, this is generally not the case. So that it is advisable to check a new hydrometer for accurate work against one of known accuracy. In this country, the Bame scale has been adopted. While in England, a different graduation known as the twaddle scale is used. The strength of a lie, or any solution, is determined by the distance the instrument sinks into the solution. And we speak of the strength of a solution, as so many degrees baume or twaddle, which are read to the point where the meniscus of the lie comes on the graduated scale hydrometers are graduated differently for liquids of different weights in the testing of lies one which is graduated from 0 degrees to 50 degrees B or BAME is usually employed caustic soda is received by the consumer in iron drums weighing approximately 700 pounds each the various grades are designated as 60, 70, 74, 76, and 77%. These percentages refer to the percentage of sodium oxide in 100 parts of pure caustic soda formed by the combination of 77 and a half parts of sodium oxide and 22 and a half parts of water. 77 and percentage being chemically pure caustic soda there are generally impurities present in commercial caustic soda these consist of sodium carbonate sodium chloride or common salt and sometimes lime it is manufactured by treating sodium carbonate in an iron vessel with calcium hydroxide or slaked lime, or by electrolysis of common salt. The latter process has yet been unable to compete with the former in price. Formerly, all the caustic soda used in soap making was imported, and it was only through the American manufacturer using a similar container to that used by foreign manufacturers that they were able to introduce their product. This prejudice has now been entirely overcome and most of the caustic soda used in this country is manufactured here. Caustic potash. The output of the salts containing potassium is controlled almost entirely by Germany. Formerly the chief source of supply of potassium compounds was from the burned ashes of plants, but about 50 years ago, the inexhaustible salt mines of Stassfurt, Germany, were discovered. The salt there mined contains, besides the chlorides and sulfates of sodium, magnesium, calcium, and other salts, considerable quantities of potassium chloride and the Stasford Mines at present are practically the entire source of all potassium compounds in spite of the fact that other localities have been sought to produce these compounds on a commercial basis, especially by the United States government. This is all probably old. (laughs) Old information, not usable now. After separating the potassium chloride from the magnesium chloride and other substances found in Stasfurt salts, the methods of manufacture of caustic potash are identical to those of caustic soda. In this case, however, domestic electrolytic caustic potash may be purchased cheaper than the imported product and it gives results equal to those obtained by the use of the imported article. Opinions to the contrary, among soap makers being many. Most of the caustic potash in the United States is manufactured at Niagara Falls by the Niagara Alkali Company and the Hooker Electrochemical Company. Chlorine. Chlorine being obtained as a byproduct. The latter concern employs the Townsend cell for the manufacturer of electrolytic potash and are said to have a capacity for making 64 tons of alkali daily since the molecular weight of caustic potash 56, is greater than that of caustic soda 40, more potash is re- required to saponify a pound of fat. The resulting potash soap is correspondingly heavier than a soda soap. When salt is added to a potassium soap, double decomposition occurs, the potassium soap being transformed to a sodium soap, and the potassium uniting with the chlorine to form potassium chloride. This was one of the earliest methods of making a hard soap, especially in Germany, where potash was derived from leaching ashes of burned wood and plants. Sodium carbonate or soda ash. While carbonate of soda is widely distributed in nature, the source of supply is entirely dependent upon the manufactured product. Its uses are many, but it is especially important to the soap industry in the so-called carbonate saponification of free fatty acids. As a constituent of soap powders in the neutralization of glycerin lies and as a filler for laundry soaps. The Old French LeBlanc Soda process which consists in treating common salt with sulfuric acid and reducing the sodium sulfate in brackets salt cake thus formed with carbon in the form of charcoal or coke to sodium sulfide which when treated with calcium carbonate yields a mixture of calcium sulfide and sodium carbonate, or black ash, from which the carbonate is dissolved by water. Has been replaced by the more recent Solvay ammonia soda process. Even though there is a considerable loss of salt, and the byproduct calcium chloride produced by this process is only partially used up as a drying agent. And for refrigerating purposes, the Leblanc process cannot compete with the Solvay process so that the time is not far distant when the former will be considered a chemical curiosity. In the Solvay method of manufacture sodium chloride or common salt and ammonium bicarbonate are mixed in solution. Double decomposition occurs with the formation of ammonium chloride and sodium bicarbonate. The latter is comparatively difficultly soluble in water and crystallizes out the ammonium chloride remaining in solution. When the sodium bicarbonate is heated it yields sodium carbonate carbon dioxide and water. The carbon dioxide is passed into ammonia which is set free from the ammonium chloride obtained as above by treatment with lime or calcium oxide. Calcium chloride being the byproduct. Sal soda or washing soda is obtained by recrystallizing a solution of soda ash in water. Large crystals of sal soda containing but 37% sodium carbonate are formed. Potassium carbonate. Potassium carbonate is not extensively used in the manufacture of soap. It may be used in the forming of soft soaps by uniting it with free fatty acids. The methods of manufacture are the same as for sodium carbonate, although a much larger quantity of potassium carbonate than carbonate of soda is obtained from burned plant ashes. Purified potassium carbonate is known as pearl ash. Additional materials used in soap making. Water is indispensable to the soap manufacturer. In the soap factory hard water is often the cause of much trouble. Water, which is the best solvent known, in passing through the crevices of rocks, dissolves some of the constituents of these, and the water is known as hard. This hardness is of two kinds, temporary and permanent temporary hard water, is formed by water, which contains carbonic acid, dissolving a portion of calcium carbonate, or carbonate of lime. Upon boiling, the carbonic acid is driven from the water, and the carbonate, being insoluble in carbon dioxide-free water, is deposited. This is the cause of boiler scale. And to check this, a small amount of sal ammoniac may be added to the water, which converts the carbonate into soluble calcium chloride and volatile ammonium carbonate. Permanent hardness is caused by calcium sulfate which is soluble in 400 parts of water and cannot be removed by boiling. The presence of these salts in water form insoluble lime soaps, which act as inert bodies as far as their value for the common use of soap is concerned where the percentage of lime in water is large this should be removed. A method generally used is to add about 5% of 20 degree bomb sodium silicate to the hard water. This precipitates the lime and the water is then sufficiently pure to use. Salt known as sodium chloride is used to a large extent in soap making for quote-unquote salting out the soap during saponification as well as graining soaps soap ordinarily soluble in water is insoluble in a salt solution use of which is made by adding salt to the soap which goes into solution and throws any soap dissolved in the lye out of solution. Salt may contain magnesium and calcium chlorides which of course are undesirable in large amounts. The products on the market, however, are satisfactory, thus no detail is necessary. Filling materials used are sodium silicate or water glass, talc, silex, pumice, starch, borax, tripoli, etc besides these other materials are used in the refining of the oils and fats and glycerin recovery such as fuller's earth bichromates of soda or potash sulfate of alumina sulfuric and hydrochloric acids and alcohol. A lengthy description of these substances is not given as their modes of use are detailed elsewhere. Chapter Two. Construction and Equipment of a Soap Plant. No fixed plan for the construction and equipment of a soap plant can be given. The specifications for a soap factory to be erected or remodeled must suit the particular cases. Very often, a building which was constructed for a purpose other than soap manufacture must be adapted for the production of soap. In either case, it is a question of engineering and architecture. Together with the knowledge obtained in practice and the final decision as to the arrangement is best solved by a conference with those skilled in each of these branches. An ideal soap plant is one in which the process of soap making, from the melting out of the stock to the packing and shipping of the finished product, moves downward from floor to floor since by this method it is possible to utilize gravitation rather than pumping liquid fats and fluid soaps. Convenience and economy are obtained by such an arrangement. The various machinery and other equipment for soap manufacture are well-known to those connected with this industry. It varies, of course, depending upon the kind of soap to be manufactured, and full descriptions of the necessary machinery are best given in the catalogues issued by the manufacturers of such equipment, who in this country are most reliable. To know just what equipment is necessary can very easily be described by a brief outline of the process various soaps undergo to produce the finished article. After the saponification has taken place in the soap kettle, the molten soap is run directly into soap frames, which consist of an oblong compartment holding anywhere from 400 to 1200 pounds with removable steel sides and mounted upon trucks in which it solidifies. In most cases it is advisable to first run the soap into a crutcher or mixer which produces a more homogeneous mass than if this operation is omitted. Color and perfume may also be added at this point, although when a better grade of perfume is added it must be remembered that there is considerable loss due to volatization of same When a drying machine is employed, the molten soap is run directly upon the rollers of this machine, later adding about 1% zinc oxide to the soap, from which it passes continuously through the drying chamber and is emitted in chip form, ready for milling. After the soap has been framed, it is allowed to cool and solidify which takes several days and then the sides of the frame are stripped off. The large solid cake is cut with wires by hand or by a slabber into slabs of any desired size. These slabs are further divided into smaller divisions by the cutting table In non-milled soaps, brackets, laundry soaps, floating soaps, etc., these are pressed at this stage, usually by automatic presses, after a thin hard film has been formed over the cake, by allowing it to dry slightly. In making these soaps, they are not touched by hand at any time during the operation the pressing, wrapping, and packing all being done by machinery. For a milled soap, the large slabs are cut into narrow, oblong shapes by means of the cutting table to readily pass into the feeder of the chipper. The chips being spread upon trays and dried in a dry house until the moisture content is approximately 15%. The process of milling is accomplished by passing the dried soap chips through a soap mill, which is a machine consisting of usually three or four contiguous smooth granite rollers operated by a system of gears and set far enough apart to allow the soap to pass from a hopper to the first roller, from which it is constantly conveyed to each succeeding roller as a thin film, and finally scrapped from the last roller to fall into the milling box in thin ribbon form. These mills are often operated in tandem which necessitates less handling of soap by the operator. The object of milling is to give the soap a glossy, smooth finish and to blend it into a homogeneous mass. The perfume, color, medication, or any other material desired are added to the dried soap chips prior to milling. Some manufacturers use an amalgamator to distribute these uniformly through the soap, which eliminates at least one milling. When a white soap is being put through the mill, it is advisable to add from 0.5% to 1% of a good fine quality of zinc oxide to the soap. If this substance has not been previously added, this serves to remove the yellowish cast and any translucency occasioned by plotting. Too great a quantity of this compound added later exhibits itself by imparting to the soap a dead white appearance inasmuch. As the milling process is one upon which the appearance of a finished cake of toilet soap largely depends, it should be carefully done. The number of times a soap should be milled depends upon the character of a soap being worked. It should of course be the object to mill with as high a percentage of moisture as possible. Should the soap become too dry, it is advisable to add water directly rather than wet soap, since water can more easily be distributed through the mass. As a general statement, it may be said it is better policy to overmill a soap rather than not mill it often enough. After the soap has been thoroughly milled, it is ready for plotting. A plotter is so constructed as to take the soap ribbons fed into the hopper by means of a worm screw and continuously force it under great pressure through a jacketed cylinder through which cold water circulates in the rear to compensate the heat produced by friction and hot water at the front to soften and polish the soap, which passes out in solid form in bars of any shape and size depending upon the form of the shaping plate through which it is emitted. The bars run upon a roller board, are cut into the required length by a special cake cutting table, allowed to dry slightly and pressed either automatically or by a foot power press in any suitable soap dye. The finished cake is then ready for wrapping, and after due time in stock reaches the consumer. Besides the various apparatus mentioned above, there are many other parts for the full equipment of a modern soap plant, such as remelters, pumps, mixers, special tanks, power equipment, etc. As has been stated, however, practical experience will aid in judging the practicability as to installation of these. The various methods of powdering soap are, however, not generally known. Where a coarse powder is to be produced, such as is used for common washing powders, no great difficulty is experienced with the well-known Blanchard Mill. In grinding soap to an impalpable powder, the difficulties increase. The methods adapted in pulverizing soaps are by means of disintegrators, pebble mills, and chaser mills. The disintegrator grinds by the principle of attrition. That is, the material is reduced by the particles being caused to beat against each other at great velocity. A pebble mill crushes the substance by rubbing it between hard pebbles in a slowly revolving cylinder. The chaser mill first grinds the material and then floats it as a very fine powder above a curb of fixed height. The last method is particularly adapted for the finest of powder, 140 mesh and over. That is the end of chapter two. Next is chapter three, classification of soap making methods. However, I think this episode is long enough and we're gonna stop here. Thank you for listening to the Sleep with Josh podcast. Congratulations, you've just slept with Josh. If you're still awake, please remember to follow this podcast on your player of choice. And please give us a review. Thank you. And good night.